You did it. You woke up today. You even got out of bed. You deserve a reward. We can't all be morning people, but we can all get McDonald's for breakfast. Right now, mix and match a chicken McGriddles or a McChicken biscuit for just three bucks. Order ahead on the Mickey D's app. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mobile order and pay at participating McDonald's. That's right, folks. It's another edition of uh, the radio show with Mark Lee all, right here on IBM TV TV. And of course, we are always glad to have some amazing guests. And definitely today is no different. We're going to have some amazing guests and some great conversation and all of that. I know a lot of folks are still pumped up because of the Super Bowl, particularly if you are a Tom Brady fan and all of that. I am not necessarily a Tom Brady fan, was actually rooting for Kansas City, but you know, they just got dogged in that game it wasn't even close in the least bit so like i said tom brady won that seventh championship of his and has said that he will definitely be back next year as well and i heard their coach say that he wants to try to repeat and i know that that's what kansas city wanted to do this year so we'll see whether that happens or not i know that both of my teams have not been doing well for several years being a diehard minnesota vikings fan and also being from carolina being a panthers fan and know that neither of those teams have been doing all that much this season at all. And then I was glad to see North Carolina mentioned on a couple of things that I saw going on this weekend and all. I was watching um, my alma mater, Marquette, take an ale, um, definitely losing the game to Creighton. But during the game, they mentioned the secret game, which is a game between some Duke medical folks and a, a team of athletes from North Carolina Central University that was held way before the civil rights era and all of that. So that has been made into a movie and a number of other things. So they were actually mentioning the secret game. They also talked about the gentleman that the uh, Coliseum over there at Central is named after, that being John McClendon. So they talked about that and his coaching legacy and a number of other things. He actually worked with Naismith, one of the founders of basketball and all of that. So definitely it was good seeing that mention. And then uh, later on, I saw that Sri Srinivasan, a good friend of mine, was talking on his uh, Sunday New York Times read-along um, about a number of things. He was talking to a uh, person that used to work for the New York Times on their sports department and all of that. But then at some point, they were talking about Soul City. And Soul City was an attempt to have an African-American city in the uh North Carolina area. So I was very much familiar with that. I remember when Floyd McKissick was trying to get Soul City off the ground. It never truly got off the ground at all, even though it's now more of a community than anything else. But definitely, I remember when he was trying to get that going off the ground. And actually, my folks were starting their community radio station at around that same time. So definitely, that's some of the things that are going on in the world. And of course, folks are paying attention to what is happening with the vaccine, as well as how they're doing in terms 
terms of distributing it. I know that definitely Biden was saying that he uh, did not know that things were as uh, bad under the Trump administration as uh, had been of and they actually found it to be worse and all of that. So that's some of the things that I saw was that he found the situation to be worse, but he is trying to correct that situation and try to make sure that those that are going to get the vaccine will get the vaccine. As a matter of fact, he said in Business Insider that Trump's handling of COVID-19 was even more dire than we thought after finding insufficient vaccine supplies. So that's one of the things that he said about the last administration. And of course, he's also doing some other things that are going against what the last administration did as well. Biden's administration reportedly is preparing new rules limiting ICE arrest and deportations. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement officers will reportedly be given new guidance that will lead to fewer arrests and deportations. The Washington Post has reported that the policy change would mean ICE agents will no longer seek deportations for immigrants convicted of drunk driving and assault. So that's just some of the things that are going on in the world. We do know that there are a number of folks that are also paying attention to the uh, confirmations of the different folks for the cabinet and all of that. And of course, a number of things are happening in our world. But I wanted to get to our guests and have a great conversation with them about a number of things. We might even find out if they had a Super Bowl commercial that they liked more than others. Because as I said, the game was out of hand very early. So I did pay attention to the uh, commercials and also paid attention to the halftime show. So we're going to find out from our guests if they were paying attention to any of those things as well. So the first gentleman I'm going to bring up is none other than Charlie Brady. And I learned about Charlie Brady because he is starting a theater guild here in North Carolina and all of that. So definitely glad that you were able to join me, uh, Charlie. Don't know if you were watching that game, if you had a dog in that fight, if you were a Brady fan or anything along those lines, or if you even had a Super Bowl uh, party at your house or in your residence or anything along those lines. But definitely no I'm interested in learning more about your theater and what you're doing theatrically and all of that. And all of that, <laughs> just all of that. <laughs> um, how about that game? I mean, yeah. you know, sports was, it was weird for sports in general this year, right? Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I mean, I'm a diehard football fan and uh, I did not watch football this year. Well, um, it's, you know, it's just, it's hard to connect to it. There's lots going on otherwise, obviously. And that like, it just was a, a weird, a weird year for sports. Um you know, my wife and I, we go to Duke basketball every year. Mm -hmm. We have season tickets. That's been weird. I haven't, haven't even watched the games that have been televised. It's just been that year, right? Like everything, yeah. nothing was, was normal. And sports was one of those things that just I just couldn't quite get into it. I will say <clears throat> I, I connect with you. <laughs> on the feeling of your team not doing very well for a very long time. I'm, I grew up a San Diego Chargers fan. Okay. So that's been a lifelong, you know, <laughs> battle. They had a couple, they had a couple good moments in the early two thousands, but um, yeah, I, I know the feeling, but you know, that, that was such a switch this year, you know, Phil Rivers and everything he retired yeah. and there it was such a chapter shift that it doesn't quite, and you know, they, they're in LA now, obviously. And so right. it was kind of like a paradigm shift that I'm still kind of like trying to find my way back into it a little bit. Yeah. So that probably had a little something to do with it as well. But, but I did watch Super Bowl and um, 
You know, Tom Brady is always the guy that you you just you, you want to hate him, don't you? Exactly. I mean, he's so he's so darn good. You just want to hate him. You want to find something wrong with the guy. Um, I mean, you can't say anything though anymore. You can't say anything. He just manages to win. Manages to win handily. There's not much you can say about him. And you, like I said, you can love to hate him. And I definitely am one of those folks that love to yeah. hate him. I actually have a good friend of mine that was teasing me because they was telling me they grew up around New York and all of that. And they were telling me that you know, definitely you cannot root for Brady or anything that was like Boston related or anything of that nature and everything. Oh, but yeah. um, I did have him as my fantasy quarterback. Didn't do me any good. I did win my fantasy championship because he had a couple of bad games and some other folks won that championship. But I did have him as my fantasy quarterback. And I know my good friend, Zach, was telling me that he didn't even want to hear that I had him on the team, much less that he was my quarterback and everything. So he gave me a hard time about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But one of the things I wanted to no. ask you about was definitely, yeah. how did you get into theater? Is theater something that you've always been interested in and also, how are you even coping and trying to start a guild in the middle of a pandemic? We're in the middle of a pandemic and you're starting a theater yeah. guild. I know, I know. It's ridiculous. You know, the more ridiculous thing is that I literally started this a year ago yeah. and um, it was even less applicable then. And it was like a month. I mean, the whole thing has just been a roller coaster. You know what I mean? The whole planning of it. Um uh, a little bit about my background. Yes, I've been my whole life. I've been in the arts. I'm from California. Um, I was professionally acting um, on a kids TV show like by the when I was 13 years old. So I've just always been doing it. Went to college uh, at Carnegie Mellon in uh, Pittsburgh for mm -hmm. musical theater as an actor and spent my career as an actor. Moved to New York and spent uh, about 17 years um, in New York. Um, you know, as an actor, I've worked uh, from I was in Broadway and I've worked national tours, off Broadway, regional theater, small market regional theaters. Um, you know, really an actor's career really can can run the gamut of the types of experiences you have. Right. right. Um, I uh, met my wife um, about uh, eight years ago now, and uh, we she was also a New York actress. Um, but she is from here. She's from Raleigh originally and runs a theater company here called Theater Raleigh. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I mean, as life went on, um, I hit 40, um, you know, the acting career thing. It was like the, you know, the amount of the consistency of opportunity is, is obviously crazy. And, my having her resource, this theater company, trying new things, learning new skills, doing things I don't normally get to do, directing. I mean, all the different avenues really was that that moment where it was expanding my existence, you know, compared to what I had been doing the last 20 years, basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just time. It was kind of the option was there. The The, you know, the decision making process was like pretty clear ultimately our relationship we're married now and our relationship was obviously going so funny i remind her all the time like when we first started dating i was like i'm not I'm not moving to north carolina like that's just out of the cards i mean no way but i mean i'm you know i'm so happy um all of this has led me to starting the theater guild which i'll tell you about in a minute but um my, yeah so i mean my experience as an as as an actor you know working around the country in lots of different kind of uh, environments and so i've experienced a lot of different markets, right? Yeah. Um, coming down here uh, and experiencing this market um, was um, an interesting uh, experience. And, and as I've gotten to know, I've, I've been in Raleigh about eight years now. 
And there's so there's so much there's so much creativity and passion um, and um, ingenuity around here and uh, uh, you know movements within the arts that are important. Uh, a lot of social justice uh, awareness going on, obviously, right now, and those stories being told through art, um, which is, uh, you know, one of the best places that can make that conversation be, be uh, you know, uh, equal, right? right. Uh, a give and take. And so, um, you know, I just, but but to me, in my experience, kind of as an outsider coming in, not, this is not a blanket statement, but the, the, awareness of what is going on here didn't seem like it got much past the borders of the triangle, really, you know, um, bits and pieces here and there. we got a couple people in the area and whatnot, um, that have, have, you know, gone on to do, you know, things that people claim and some of the things, the accomplishments of theaters, like, you know, get, get talked about here and there, but for the most part, it's just not in that conversation of those big, you know, theater hub cities. But what is actually going on here does not seem like that. It does not reflect that, you know. So, you know, for years, I, you know, while I've been here, I've just been looking, trying to find the holes or the ways in which I could contribute and what I could contribute um, to help that. You know, I want to my my interest is to um, make make this triangle theater industry uh, in that national conversation and be recognized for what it is accomplishing because it is accomplishing so much. Um, so this, this my whole mission is in a lot of these a lot of these big market uh, cities all have this this thing in common and it, it's an awards program. Now awards programs are very polarizing. Right. You know, people love them or hate them. You know, right. a lot of people have different uh, different opinions about them, and and it can be tricky. It can be tricky. Um, it can very easily get into like just like bad competition, right? And just right. maybe bring up some resentment. I believe that there is a way to um, create an atmosphere that uh, is celebratory. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I intend, you know, for a ceremony like this, I love the idea of seeing these acts that we all saw each other's shows throughout the year right. and, and creating an environment that like you get to see that in that one number that that touched you, you know, in that in that theater that night that you were watching it and recreate that moment. And and it would collectively it would have a collective uh, feeling of celebration and be like, yeah, that was, that was great. And we should, you know, those are the kinds of accomplishments that we want to keep aspiring to and keep putting out there, you know, and just keep that going and keep that, um, that uh, relevance going, you know, Um, there's so much creativity around here that I feel like just, I don't see it reflected a lot in the mainstream a lot of the times. And at least in my experience and things that I've, that I've, you know, the different, you know, theaters that I've worked at and whatnot, not in the same way. Um, there's a real nuance to it out here. So, so that's, so I've, I really, I went to work last year at the beginning of the year, making, uh, trying to develop an awards program okay. uh, with the intent of it being adjudicated by a, a pool of 21 judges that are within our community. So it would really reflect what the community impact was. So that, that idea of not agreeing with each other or something would really be at, at, at a minimum, minimum, you know, um, then, just really quickly, like I said, I don't know, you're very fascinating. I definitely want to bring in some of our other guests as well. But does it surprise you that we don't have that? Because as you were th- saying all of that, and definitely having traveled around, been in uh, yeah. Hollywood, been in New York, and things of that nature, I'm thinking about the fact that I've actually interviewed 
on one of our shows here, Ira David Woods. And of course, everybody knows him as being definitely one of the, uh, you know, leaders in our theatrical community and things of that nature. And of course, there's folks like Ed Hunt that had Man Bites Dog, but unfortunately, Man Bites Dog is now uh, no longer around and things of that That's nature. True. I think Bernard Cole is no longer around either, no, but Bernie there Cole were definitely too. some. Oh, Bernie no, the Bernie Cole is still here. Yeah, That's right. Bernie Cole is here. But they've um, actually been very fascinating through the COVID period. Like they are one of the ones who I feel really, really churned the the creativity out given what our circumstances were, you know, right. um, they're, they're doing great stuff over there. I know. And that's the thing. It's like, everybody loved that place, but it had to close. Like right. that's, that's too bad, you know, because it, it's, you know, this place is supposed to be like such an arch town. Right. But like right. it is, there are challenges for that to sustain. And so that is what the ultimate mission for what I'm talking about is, is like, I want to broadcast to the rest of the country that this is a place, whether you're here or you're not here, you know, right. arts, careers and lives take take you all over the place. Right. I never right. thought I'd be in North Carolina. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and here I am. I want this place to be in that conversation to where it will bring more resources to us. And people will be like, I want to start a theater company in in the Triangle in North Carolina, you know, and that's and we will get more and more support. You know, the, this place is booming in a lot of different ways and in, in real estate in um, you know, businesses and research triangle park and all that. Like we should yeah. be part of that, you know? Yeah, we should definitely be part of that. But I know one of the things that I know folks I always have to fight against, and I guess I wanna like I said, I'm gonna bring in a couple of our other guests as well. Yeah, but yeah. There's also the thing that we have to fight against, um, kind of the concept of we oftentimes don't support our folks in the arts enough financially. I know that Monica Burns was leading a movement to try to have folks go in front of the Durham City Council and even have our artists get some sort of money compensation and everything. Because a lot of times uh, she's a well-known author here in the area, but she was not feeling that we were getting the kind of support that we needed. And I'm sure that that's even kind of what Ed and Man Bites Dog and the folks at Common Ground and some of the others have also felt as well. So I was just wondering, is that, a concern of yours as you are trying to create this. Cause I even know that my friend um, Sherry Holmes does something similar to what you're talking about, where she does like a showcase of a lot of the black theater pieces that are out there. And she does that about once a year or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't think that she's done it recently, but or like this year because of COVID, but she's done them in the past. And it's like a highlight yeah. of the different pieces that are focusing on black theater and things along that line. But I know she's right. done it for several years, but, um, I don't know that she even gets the support that she should get. And even yeah. I've known for years um, the young lady that does Sips and Scripts over there in Raleigh, and I don't know that she necessarily gets enough support in what she does and all of that. So I just wondering if you think that yeah. even our local folks are not getting the kind of support that they should be getting. Yeah. Listen, I mean, that is kind of – I will say that the arts in general, right, are always – it always kind of feels like, we're, we're not getting enough, you know? I mean, that's, that is, I mean, I can say for my whole life, it's just any, any, especially regional theater. I mean, Broadway and all that corporate stuff is a a different thing, but um, the regional theater scene, yes. I mean, there's a handful of places that have really nailed it, you know? And um, I will say though, that this year specifically, um, I will say that the support for the arts given the circumstances far uh, exceeded what my expectations would have been. Um, You know, the, the councils, United Arts Council and all them, they've been um, super helpful for a lot of, a lot of theaters in the area that I know. 
of course, it's not everybody, right? I mean, it's always, there's always more to be had, of course. But I will say I have seen, um, and even just in the community, um, I have seen people um, really, really do what they can, you know, okay. to to support and, and try to keep us going. You know, everybody's gone to virtual programming, right? right. And we're all using that for chances to be like, please help, please help, whatever you can do, $5, $10, $20. And that, in my experience, in my awareness, um, has actually really been more more present and more helpful than I would have anticipated given, you know, what the economic situations have been. Um, but yes, it's true. I mean, there need there is there does need to be more. Um, yeah, definitely needs to be more. And speaking of entrepreneurs that are doing great work and all of that, I did want to bring in an entrepreneur from the uh, California area and all of that in the West Coast. But how are you even coping with this, uh, Doctor Muller? Because like I said, you're got your whole business around being a mom entrepreneur. You're a mom and an entrepreneur and a wife and a number of other things that you've got going on. And this is a difficult era to even be trying to launch a business, but you've got your business running and doing a lot of supporting of other mom entrepreneurs. So how are you even coping with that? And how are you even able to get this going during this COVID age that we live in? Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Mark. And hi, Charlie. Um, Hi, nice to see you. You as well. Nice to meet you. And I love what you were uh, sharing about the importance of the arts. I think, like you said, right, it's it's it's, it's never enough. And, and usually one of the first things that like gets chuffed. I'm really pleased to hear, though, that you've seen more support happening than expected this year. And speaking of support, to answer your question, Mark. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I have found personally that um, it is a pretty overwhelming time for a lot of moms, whether they run businesses or whether they're professional moms or stay at home moms. There's so much on the plate, and particularly now with online school and a lot of people homeschooling in addition to doing all of their usual uh, work and spouses losing their employment and all of those things. So I find that right now in particular, is it's even more important to have that network of support. And that's something that I always... Uh, um, invite women to surround themselves with other women that understand what they're going through and that can lend support. And I find also that right now, a lot of women in particular, since that is, those are my, my people that, you know, that need for connection is so palpable and, People are really, you know, just craving that and looking for it. And so I try to, um, you know, reach out to people individually and do a lot of uh, sharing inside my group as well and create a sense of community. And in particular for moms in business, right? It, it's There's been some scary times for some people. Other people have actually experienced an explosion in their own businesses. It all depends on you know, what kind of business and also a lot of it is, you know, how are they approaching the whole situation? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And one thing I was going to ask you is when I was talking to Charlie, Charlie was talking about the fact that he was basically involved in this acting career since he was a youngster. He was actually like a child actor and things of that nature. Would you say the same thing with you and entrepreneurship? Were you an entrepreneur at a young age? Were you that kid that had the lemonade stand or is this something that came to your life later in life? 
I was not an entrepreneurial kid whatsoever. In fact, uh, so I have a PhD in, in family psychology. And so my path was, um, all right, I'm going to go to school. I was always encouraged to go as far as I could in, in my schooling and, you know, just have a career helping people. So I, in my head, I was going to teach and supervise and um, do clinical work and publish and all of the things. And little that I know, my, my path would be so different at, at this juncture. I just found that... Um, you know, I ha you know how this all got started is because I was doing the working mom, professional working mom balancing act. I was not feeling particularly good about the way that I, it was all going, working long hours and rushing around a lot and all the things, right? And then I had a chance to go part-time. And so what that opened up, is the opportunity for me to take a step back from all the crazy, participate more in the kids' um, school and get involved in like the PTA and things like this, have more breathing room for myself. I became like a better person. And I thought, you know what? I, I'm loving this. And there's still that nudge, you know, to go do something more. So that's what led me to, I can start my own business. I don't know the first thing about running a business, but you know, I can learn. And I remember reading, I was participating in a, uh, a networking group where they were reading a book called One Minute Millionaire. Mm -hmm. And I read that book and I was like, you know what? Why not me? Why couldn't I do that? Because the whole premise of the book is this is, you know, millionaires are not like, special or whatever it's just you know they do things in a certain way they think in a certain way it's like you know what i can do this i'm gonna throw myself in this thing i'm gonna do my business i'm gonna make it happen so that's sounds what like got me. It sounds like you've done a great job with that and one of the things that both of you have said that i find really interesting being the uh right now the single man in the room and everything is that both of you are very much engaged in having the support of your other half and everything. You actually mentioned that earlier, Charlie, the fact that your wife is very much engaged in the uh, whole creation of the Theater Guild and how much you support her. And I do know from a previous conversation that I had with uh, Dr. Raquel, kind of a pre-interview and everything that she was talking about, the support that she gets from her husband, who she met on the college campus as she had moved here from Panama and all of that. So I'd love to hear both of you talk about the importance of having that supportive other half. Charlie, you want to go first? Yeah, uh, sure, sure, sure. Um, by the way, my dog is barking in the background, so apologies. <laughs> Just I don't hear home, a thing. Well, I will let me uh, make one edit to what you just said. She, my wife, is not actually a part of this of the Tobacco Leaf Theater Guild. Um, this is like my own venture. That being said, <laughs> you know, nothing is totally separate, right? right. Um, she runs her own theater company in the area, and so I will say that honestly, she was the one that inspired me to take this kind of leap. I, I had a very similar moment um, as as you did. I had that like, why not me moment? You know, I had been doing one thing for a long time. I don't know anything about business. Um, I've watched her run a theater company. Um, and over, you know, the eight years that we've been together, I've, you know, picked up a couple, some routines here and there, how you, how you're getting money, who you're asking. Um, 
and the importance of community buy-in and connection, you know, and how to accomplish that. Um, so, but, you know, she certainly makes a lot of canvas for me when I put on Instagram, my Instagram marketing, <laughs> because she's already a pro at that. I'm like, like this morning I did one that took, takes her like 10 minutes. I'm like, I don't know. I cannot figure this out. You have just, and she's like, boop, 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 boop. So, so that's all her. Um, but, uh, and she has certainly been helpful in like helping me promote, um, because it really is a tool for the theaters themselves and for artists. And she's one of those. And it really is, you know, it's the common, it's uh, really helpful to have that common interest, that common language. Um, we both know the industry, like the back of our hands, um, we don't have that like, okay, what did you do? Oh, what did you do? And then we're like, okay, cool. And you're just kind of listening, but you don't really know what it feels like. You know, that's really nice to have as you go through these together, these ups and downs, you know what I mean? And the challenges that come up, you know, you can really bounce things off of each other and keep the, keep the lid on everything a bit. Yeah. What about your experience with that, uh, Dr. Mueller? Yeah. So, um, yeah, my husband has been, you know, just just wonderful. And, and you know, here's something that I was thinking about as I was listening to Charlie, you know, is, you know, like you said, right, like having a, um, kind of a you didn't use this term, but, you know, sounding board. Right. Like this is what's yeah. happening. This is what I'm going Absolutely. through. And my husband has. Right. And he, he um, in the past had his own business. So he knows something about the entrepreneurial journey and um so he's you know shares some of his insights with me and you know and yet there are so many things that where we are different so for example one of the things that i often will talk about and i will share with my ladies is that you know allow your partner to support you in the way that he or she can support you but don't expect them to support you in, in, in other ways. So for example, like the whole idea of me investing in coaching for myself, right? To him, that's like a foreign, like what? <laughs> you, you're, you're spending how much on that? <laughs> um, you know, and so like, I don't expect for him to understand that, but he, I love him for being so respectful of me making decisions that I know are good for me and for my personal development and for my business. Cause ultimately I am my product, right? I mean, the, the service that I provide is it is all me. Childhood is wanting a variety of different baked sweets and someone telling you no. Adulthood is wanting a variety of different baked sweets and being able to go right to Mickey D's to get every single one you want. Whenever you want. Get the new glazed pull-apart donut and a 99 cents any-sized iced coffee with pumpkin spice flavor. Sweet. Prices and participation may vary. Limited time only. Iced coffee promo available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. Right. So if I am not in the, the best mental, emotional, spiritual shape that I can to serve my people, it's not going to work. And so, uh, you know, so I talk a lot about the idea of finding uh, um, various kinds of support from various people in your life. And so it's really good to have kind of a richness of different kinds of support. Because there are just things that, as a man, he's not going to get. 
too, right? right. Um, so yeah, so that's what I want to say about support. Yep, that support is very important. Speaking of support, I was going to bring in our other guest today, which is um, Chucky Curry. And Chucky is actually involved in the field of uh, martial arts. And he's actually over there in the, the West Coast as well. So Chucky, share a little bit about yourself, your martial back, martial arts background and all of that. I know uh, when I was reading up on you and everything, they were even saying that if Bruce Lee was alive, he'd be taking you on trips with him and things of that nature because of some of the things that you have accomplished in the martial arts field. And they're actually still working in that field and even doing some stunt work in that field as well. So share a little bit about yourself with everybody else. Well, I've been in martial arts for over 50 years. Um, I am a world champion martial artist in forms, fighting, and weapons. I was the first to do martial arts with music on television. I had met up with Prince, and uh, I used his song Dirty Mind on television before they would even play his music. And uh, I became the number one martial arts performer in the United States. And uh, I, what you were saying about Bruce Lee taking me on tour, one of Bruce Lee's uh, top students and best friends is Danny Asano. So I met Danny Asano in one of my performances, and he told me if Bruce was alive, he would take me on tour everywhere. As a kid, I did meet Bruce, but it was, I was very young. I was only like 11 years old. And uh, it, he was signing autographs at a special premiere. And uh, I thought that was really great, but I really didn't, it didn't hit me who he was. As time went on, you know, I ended up meeting Brandon Lee, Shannon Lee, Linda Lee, <laughs> the whole Lee family. <laughs> so Chuck Norris named me the new Bruce Lee. Um, I just, you know, I had worked in some different movies. I know Jackie Chan's manager and he took a liking to me and he put me in his magazines. I ended up coming out in all the top martial arts magazines. Um, but I just, just, you know, kept thriving to make my own movie. I didn't want to be like just some stunt man getting thrown around and kicked around and slapped around. Cause you know, as a champion, that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> you know, when I fight, I expect to win. I had to go a hundred percent. I was hearing somebody say, uh, I guess Michael Jai White has said, you know, you look at his shoulder and then that's when you can tell when he's going to move. I'm like this, you know, the best offense is a good defense and, and vice versa. So I'm not going to sit there and try to figure out what this guy is going to do. You know, you got to sometimes just shoot in and, and make your move. I do the same way with business. Like I really wanted to make this movie. So I worked in Ocean's Eleven, Rush Hour 2, the Hulk, Twisted, Triple X, State of the Union. So while I was on the set, I was meeting these different directors and different producers, and I was seeing front of the camera and behind the scenes. So I just said, hey, you know, I got to find me somebody who's going to work with me now. So I found this director named uh, Giovanni Taglia and another director named Philip Safarik. And I know my little brother Reggie is a really good dancer. So I put them all together and brought them here to San Diego. And uh, we made this little short movie, Enter the Tiger. And we won the Action on Film Festival in Las Vegas. And it hit up and it went everywhere. I ended up meeting uh, Reginald Hudlin, who's uh, he's an executive on BET. And he told me, oh, everybody's seen Enter the Tiger. And I was like, what? No, are you talking about Enter the Dragon? I'm talking about Enter the Tiger. He goes, no, everybody's seen Enter the Tiger, man. And I was like, oh, man. I said, well, I want to make a full feature. Why don't you help me? I'll just cut straight through the path. And he goes, why don't you help you? I was like, okay, here we go. So I just said this, you know, I ain't going to let nothing or nobody stop me. You know, like Bruce Lee used to say, be like water, you know, create your own way, you know, make a way. You know, you don't got to wait for somebody else. You just got to pray and fast and, and take care of business and stay focused. You know, there'll be a whole lot of other things on the side trying to take your mind here, take your mind there. But I believe staying focused and don't, you know, like I said, when I met Prince, for instance, Prince told me, 
I ain't let nobody stop me. And you could do whatever you want to do. Just do it. You know, and I was like, he asked me to go on tour the first day, but I was kind of scared because sometimes, you know, the fear set in. And I was like, well, I got about 70 students. I can't just leave my students and, and go on tour with you. He goes, why not? They will leave you. And I was like, oh, OK, well, I still can't just leave them. And then I met Michael Jackson. I was outside Michael Jackson's house. I was doing kicks and jumping around, doing spinning kicks. And the car stopped, the limousine, and and, and the glove came out. And I was like, the glove, the glove, Michael Jackson, oh, my God. And then he, he, he got out the car and he came over and talked to me. And he said, where'd you learn that from? And you're so good. I go, man, Michael, you're bad. He goes, no, you're bad. I go, no, Michael, you're bad. He goes, no, you're bad. I was like, listen, <laughs> you know, talking to Michael, to me, that was like one of the best things. And he said, you have what it takes to be a megastar. Just don't let nobody or nothing stop you. And after that, I met Richard Pryor. And I'm going to cut it quick because I know how things is online. Anyway, <laughs> I met Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor said, hey, man, I can make you a millionaire right now. But it could destroy you because you get a million friends, a million enemies. Everything is times a million. A million haters, you know, a million uncles, a million aunts, you know, everybody want to try to stop you. But you know what? I just don't let them stop me. I just stay focused. And no matter what, you know, I'm going to do what I got to do. And go ahead, you guys. What do you want to say? Yeah, no, one thing I was going to ask you, and actually it's going to come back to Charlie and everything, was you had some of those similar kind of experiences being a child actor and everything. And a lot of times we hear the horror stories of child actors when they are child actors. And, of course, we all know some of those horror stories that have been well told and overly told and all of that. So I would love to hear your thoughts about getting into the industry so young. And then later on, I want to hear from Chucky as to when he realized he was good at martial arts and wanted to get involved in martial arts. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about even getting involved in the acting field at such a young age, because like you said, you got into it as a child actor. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just have to say, Chucky, it's so so crazy that we were paired on this episode together because I'm from San Diego originally. And I got a black belt in Taekwondo when I was about 11 years old. So we got a little something in common. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's tricky. Like, you know, those are very formative years. I mean, young years are very formative years. Uh, I had a very supportive mother. Um, it took going to L.A., went back and forth to L.A. a lot as a, as a young, as a 12, 13-year-old. Um, and uh, you have to have that kind of support in order for something like that to work at that age if you don't literally live in, the, in that city, right? But it's... Um, you know, it's very consuming. Um, you're very impressionable. You know, your decision-making skills are not developed yet. You know what I mean? You just want what feels good. And that's not always a very good thing. So, you know, I think that, I think it goes wrong for a lot of kid actors because they don't have that kind of like guidance and support built into their fabric. Um, I had a mother who very much uh, watched and just was very aware of all the things, sometimes a little too much. But um you know, I mean, it's it can be challenging. It can be. I mean, there's so many there's so many examples of how it went wrong. Unfortunately, you know, really unbelievably talented people who just like did not have did not have the right kind of foundations or guidance to take them through it. Because I mean, who can man? Who can survive that? It's like not reality. You know, when you're going through those kinds of things and that kind of attention, like Chucky said. I mean, there's all the love, but there's all the hate too that comes with it. And you know, in the arts and acting and all that, it's kind of like a you know, you know, it's a self-validating kind of career anyway. Like you're validated by people telling you you did a good job all the time. That's like how you kind of gauge your success a little bit. So, you know, it can be really tricky, but I think that um, it's not impossible. It's not a bad thing, um, you know, but I do think that 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 uh, guidance, that guidance and that that somebody really kind of keeping an eye out for the things, a level-headed person is very integral to making that go seamlessly or as seamlessly as possible. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And one of the things you just said that I find really interesting, and it's actually come up on this network, uh, international broadcast media with our founders and everything, is that they oftentimes talk about the fact that they feel that we're not taught enough about um, things that we should be taught at an early age and like entrepreneurship, financial literacy, and they would even probably argue the arts and all of that. They actually think that we're actually, in some ways, using an 18th century model when we're in the plainly the 21st century, the year being 2021 and all of that. So as somebody that teaches entrepreneurs, uh, Dr. Raquel, what is your thoughts on that? How do you think we're doing in the sense of actually teaching folks these kind of skills that they should be learning and everything probably at that school age. And I think if I remember correctly, you and your husband have kids, so you probably are teaching them about entrepreneurship and all of that. But I'd love to hear your thoughts as to how the education system is doing in that realm. Ooh, not great. Not great. I have lamented myself, you know, that uh, uh, kids aren't given that, you know, level of education. And, you know, for me, I've had to learn a lot of stuff much later in life. And, you know, my husband and I, yeah, it's, it's, there's been some rocky times, right? And, and so much can be um, some of that, so much of that uh, um, stress and, uh, failure and bankruptcy and craziness can be avoided by incorporating, uh, you know, more of that, you know, financial education. Um, and, and I'm speaking particularly about the financial piece. Uh, and actually, that's one of the things that I uh, want to support my mompreneurs with is, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in also educating themselves about uh, how to handle money same thing that I'm trying to do so that, again, we can pass that on to our kids because we are sort of the um, epicenter of that um, education, right? Bringing up um, a family. And I think that the more that we can do that, the more that we can also advocate to create the changes that we need to create in our educational system so that we are much better informed uh, uh, consumers and are making much wiser decisions uh, when it comes to money, whether, and, and of course, you know, being an entrepreneur, it also kind of puts you more readily in touch with that and the importance of it, um, hopefully. Yeah. But even in general, having that financial piece, yeah. you know, yeah. I know, I know a lot of, it's really heartwarming to me right now to see a lot of women entrepreneurs going out there and educating other people about uh, uh, finances. And especially when I see, you know, um, programs and people that are specifically focusing on educating the youth and um, people of color and women in regard to empowering them about uh, money and how to um, create a successful financial future. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And actually, uh, Charlie, you mentioned this earlier, and I'd love to hear all of your thoughts on this. But one of the things that I'm a big proponent of, and I mentioned Monica earlier, Monica Burns, but definitely here in the Triangle area of North Carolina, but also I would argue all over the country and all over the world, we are seeing a lot of artists and entrepreneurs and even sports figures using their platform in order to be activists and things of that nature. So how important do you think it is for folks to use whatever their position of power is, whether it's an artist or whether it's an entrepreneur or whether it's a sports figure as an activist? Because I said, I remember definitely with Black Lives Matter, we saw the WNBA step into the forefront. We've definitely seen it with some of the NFL players and a number of other folks. But I was just wondering your thoughts, and I'll start with you, Charlie, and work my way down into the importance of 
art artists be an activist yeah um it's uh it's very important is the short answer um you know with the people that we see visibly the most are the quickest way to get a message out right um you know, I will say that I think that the, the challenge of all of it is is finding that place of of being able to listen on, on both ends. Right. And in order for uh, progress to be made, um, because you will I will say that, you know, in my uh, observation of these kinds of uh, moments when uh, famous people or well or, you know, highly visible people speak out, you know, if you're not if you're not ready to listen, <laughs> you know, then. It, it does incite the other side getting a little, you know, puffed up and we have to work through that stage of the, of the things. Right. And so that's always the thing that I always come back to. I was like, yes, of course it's important because how, how are we going to, you know, it's, it, 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 the progress, right. When people come out and, 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 and support uh, what's important, but um, I haven't found the quickest way through, getting through that part of it, you know, that, that like, wait, but my, my, my place is right. No, but my place is right. You know what I mean? And that's, that's kind of that, like that, that secret ingredient that I'm not, I don't, I don't know what that answer is yet and still searching for what that is. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, if they, if we don't have that part of the approach, then I just think it makes, makes things take a lot longer to happen. Yep. And what about from an entrepreneurship uh, standpoint? Because I have seen some entrepreneurs also be activists, Dr. Raquel. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about that as well as just the general community at large. Right. Uh, well, you know, what What first comes to mind for me is that saying that goes to whom much is given, much is expected. Right. That when we're in a position to be able to lift others, um, <clears throat> I think that it, it becomes important for us to to do that, to speak on behalf of those who who can't or, you know, whose voice isn't being heard. And also, I, you know, think it's important for us to exemplify what it is that we want to see. So I love what Charlie, what you said about uh, listening first and, you know, what kind of person do we want uh, uh, to be and how do we want to show up? And this is actually something that I speak a lot about. You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. Ctmobile.com. Life gets a lot more magical when you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. <laughs> Hiya, pal. Where new stories make tales as old as time. Enchanté, mon ami. And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. About uh, in my community of mom entrepreneurs is that for us to um, educate other people and show them what's possible and create a better world, we got to start with ourselves as well. And it is in that example that we show others what what is not only what is possible, but also what is the, you know, the um, how can I put it? 
you know, show compassion, show authenticity, show um, persistence, show, you know, like the, the, the great qualities that we all admire, the people that we admire, right? It's like, how do we embody those? And the more that we embody that, the more it's going to come through and it's going to impact everybody that we come into contact with, starting with our very own families. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the other things I was curious about is both all of y'all to some degree or another, you know, whether it's Chucky, whether it's you, Charlie, are entrepreneurs. So what kind of advice would you give to other folks that would want to go into that entrepreneurial space? Because like I said, starting in a theater guild is definitely an entrepreneurial activity and definitely doing your own movie is an entrepreneurial activity. So for those that are sitting back watching and they're thinking, well, I want to go into this entrepreneurial space, what kind of advice would you give them? So I'll start with you, Chucky, and then I'll come to Charlie and uh, Dr. Raquel. So if somebody wanted to become an entrepreneur, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, first of all, they got to make sure they got their base together. <laughs> you know, they have to know what their talent is and they have to be you know, like the lady said, you have to be persistent. You know, a lot of people lag, so they lose. It's like it's not nobody going to come and just pick you up and carry you across the red line. You have to be focused and know what you want and don't let nothing stop you. You know, Like she said, education is important. Uh, as a child actor or martial artist, I mean, I began performing on stage at like 10. You know, we won silver dollars. So <laughs> that made me say, hey, you know what? Money. I can make money with this. And. My, my my teacher took me on the tournament circuit and I began, we were the first to make money before UFC and all that came along, you know. So once I found out that you, you use your talent to your your finest level, you got to be focused because a lot of people, they sit around and they make excuses and uh, they don't want to do nothing. They want somebody to just bring the cake to them and the ice cream too. And it just don't work like that, <laughs> you know. I just believe you got to make it happen. And while you're sitting on the side talking back, I'm going to do mine. Because the Bible said, be like the ant, you know, don't be a sluggard. You know, you have to move forward. You know, you have to keep on going. I ain't never saw an ant turn around and go backwards and ask somebody, what should I do? <laughs> it just keeps on going and, and keeps on creating a way, you know, make a way out of no way, as Bruce Lee would say. So yeah. you just got to know your craft, be serious, and remember, you know, if you like, you lose. <laughs> if you don't give it all you got, you ain't going to get all you could have gotten. So it, it's up to you. It's up to you. You got to be serious. Like I didn't wrote letters to Oprah and she wrote me back. I didn't talk to people about Tyler Perry and they talked to me back. I mean, you got to take action. Just like in a fight, you can't just sit out on the rope and rope a dope. You got to bam, 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 bam. You got to get inside and then get outside. And you got to make phone calls. You got to be persistent, persistent, persistent. My brother Lando was really successful. But one of the things he taught me is the three things, desire, determination, and discipline. Those things you need to succeed. If you don't get that, you might as well just get you a shopping cart and go that way. <laughs> Makes sense. Charlie, what is your thoughts? And I'm going to bring in uh, two more guests as well. But Dr. Uh, Mr. Carl uh, is definitely very much involved in inspiration. He actually just wrote a very powerful piece about inspiration on LinkedIn. And I'd love for him to share that thought eventually and everything. But Charlie, right, right now, I'd like to hear your thoughts about what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I really just think Chucky just nailed it. I mean, it's really a combination. You know, my uh, 
go get them this and this front, it, it kind of came a little bit later to me. You know, I was on like a one track goal at one point um, for me. So I don't really have a lot of those like kind of like business backgrounds where I've been like plotting these things my whole life. For me, it really was about like dialing in my mental state about it. You know, having that attitude, just like he said about not letting anything stop you that why not me mentality. And honestly, even a little another level than that is just purpose. You know, and I think that surrounding surrounding yourself with people who have accomplished those kinds of things in their life and who that's important to makes a big difference. Um, you know, I think that is a, a an intense an intense part of people hanging on to that. And for me, I just you know, for me, I was like, I hit forty, and I was like, okay, I'm not acting anymore. Sure, I direct some things, I have my hand in the arts, but like what like when I'm 90 and I'm, you know, looking back on everything, what, what do I want to say that I was able to do, you know? And it ultimately I'm just like, I want to matter. I want to matter. And I want to have a, um, I want to say that I helped, you know, uh, do something with, you know, and, and further something, um, and leave a contribution. And, and that has a big, and then the, and the possibilities are endless, you know, it, it's anything, whatever it is, like you just, just focus on it. Don't let anything get in your way. And don't let failure be an option, even if you don't have the skills. You know what I mean? You'll, you'll figure it out. If that if failure is not an option, you're committed to it, you'll figure it out, you know, and you'll learn the things that you need to learn. Um, so, you know, for me, that's what it was for me. Very much more of a, a very a mental, a mental um, application for me. Now, that makes a lot of sense. And I would love to hear from uh, Dr. Raquel as well. But I did want to bring in uh, Carl and his thoughts about inspiration, because a lot of what we're talking about is inspiration. And I know you did that powerful piece on LinkedIn about inspiration and all of that. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. And I'm also going to bring in another one of uh, Dr. Raquel's friends who has also joined us, which is Cara. So Cara has also joined the party as well. So Cara is here and will share some thoughts also. But definitely share a little bit about inspiration because I do know that that's something that you just recently wrote about on LinkedIn. Uh, yes, I'm uh, nice to meet everybody. I'm Carl Sean Watkins, uh, U.S. Army vet, uh, aspiring attorney, and uh, inspirationist. And I just coined that phrase. I actually for myself. I wrote. I do a lot of writing. Uh, I wrote uh, a bunch of articles for LinkedIn, and I have a uh, what I call a daily word series, uh, which uh, and I think I shared this with Mark the last time I was on. Um, that I got a um, quick story. I got a dictionary uh, from my dad as a young lad because I used to like to read and and write and scribble as a little kid. And uh, of course, for Christmas, I did not want that, even though I did have all the Dr. Seuss books. And all the other books, but I was kind of confused by that at Christmas time. And uh, he pulled me up on the couch. He had to talk with me. He's like, "Son, I see something different in you. So this is the reason I gave you this. So we're gonna have our little game." And I was a dad's uh, kid, so anything that he said that we were gonna do together, uh, it made me happy. So he said, "What we're we gonna do? We're gonna take this dictionary. Uh, we're gonna take each word starting from the letter A, and we're gonna read it. We're going to uh, be able to uh, define it." Uh, spell it, and I'm going to help you to learn how to write sentences using the words that we found. So, of course, uh, oh man, that just made my heart glad. So it was just something that me and dad could have one-on-one. And uh, when he passed away, and uh, I was 15 years old when he died, and I had no idea. We, it took us about eight or nine months to actually get through the dictionary because some words were short, and, and you know, some I was excited, so I did words, uh, some words I did two or three words in a day instead of the one that it calls for. But uh, me and my mom had a conversation at the past and uh, it just hit me that what he was really doing, 
by him just being a carpenter. He, you know, his skill was, he was smart up here. He wasn't school smart. He just got out to 12th grade, but uh, he was kind of savvy in other, in other things, in other ways. And what he was giving me was preparing me. So he said that even in his talking to me, he said, what I'm going to give you is going to last you for Christmas is to come. And he said, it's going to be a greater gift than just this one that you're disappointed with. And uh, as a five-year-old child, you can't get the dynamic of that in what your parents see with you. But as me and my mom talked about it as I got to be older, uh, he gave me vocabulary. He gave me confidence. He gave me speech. He gave me so many things as African-American man. He knew I would need going and cultivating and being a part of the world, what it was. And for him not to be as smart as at least I thought he was, once I got the dynamic of that, he was kind of like a genius to me because he was feeding and pouring into me when it was obviously that I had no idea what he was doing, but he did. And uh, that's what I do with inspiration. I take a word, regardless of whatever the word is. I often put on posts for someone to give me a word and I defined it because I also want you to know the definition of it. But what I write and inspirational wise is what that word does to does for me, for you. So most people just see something like inspiration. And of course you get all of these different thoughts about inspiration, but when I write it and you read it, it resonates with who's ever reading it. And that's just a gift that I got from God. So that's some of the things that I do. I just got off a, a podcast this morning with Kara and we kind of talked about uh, some of these same things. And uh, I'm right now going into it entrepreneur field. I start law school in the fall, um, studying civil rights and family law. But I always I got a creative passion and I've always had a passion for helping others. Now, the law school part is, of course, I have to make an income and I want it to be of stability. But my passion is spreading light to others. You know, I don't have to be in a pulpit to do that. I don't have to be a preacher to do that. I don't have to be the Pope to do that. All I got to do is give inspiration to those who's willing to listen. And that's uh, what I do on LinkedIn. That's kind of like the, my uh, my form of passion. No, I appreciate you there and everything. No Dr. Problem. Raquel and everything, I would love to hear your advice that you would give to entrepreneurs. And I'm actually going to have all of y'all, and I did this the last time that Carl was on, think of a uh, word that might be your word of inspiration that you use in your own life and everything. So I'll hear your words of inspiration. Uh, mm -hmm advice on the entrepreneurship side, but also any word that you might have that's an inspirational word that is kind of like your go-to inspirational word. Yeah. I, well, first I want to say I love everything that the gentlemen, the three gentlemen shared, Charlie and Carl and Chucky about, um, yeah, this element of, of, of inspiration. I love the word passion. To me, that's one of my high values is, you know, find something that inspires you. And one of the things, and, and I think, um, somebody else was alluding to this, you know, the, the purpose, having a sense of purpose. It's so vital. And that's one of the things that I work with my moms about is connecting with what that purpose is and knowing that that desire, we all have this innate desire to do more, be more and, and have more. And that's a God given thing. And that when we can connect with that and follow that and trust it, that you know the the path is shown everything else is figure outable along the way like charlie was saying right like all the like the business skills and how to do this and how to do that all that stuff it, you can learn it but the main thing is is you know following that that passion and knowing that there's a purpose and focusing on you know what what is it 
that I want to leave behind and how am I contributing to this world? Uh, so I just love, love, love that and finding mentorship. And I think somebody else also had it said about having people in your life that can help cultivate that gift. It can give you that those those messages of, yes, you can do it. Let me show you. Um, it's so important to have people that believe in us, even if it's one person for so many people, you know, there's always, there's been one person that just turned their whole life around and it's so, so crucial. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Chucky? What's like a word that you use for your own inspiration? It might even be a word that you use when you're in the middle of those uh, bouts and things of that nature, but what is something that you use as an inspirational word? Go. <laughs> I would think the word is go, like action, take action, you know, go for it. Um, as she was speaking earlier, right now, my mom just tried to call me and I got that one person in my corner. You know, I got a big family, but my mom has always, she's raised nine kids. So, you know, she beat us into action. <laughs> so I just believe that you got to go for it to get it. You know, you can't make an excuse, you're going to have an excuse. But you know what they say about excuses. I you know, so when I see somebody doing something wrong, I also think at that point, do the right thing. You know, if you do the wrong thing, you got to expect the wrong thing to happen. If you do your best, then you're going to get blessed. Okay. Yep, definitely. Cara, what about you? What's the word that's on your mind and everything that's your inspirational word? Well, first of all, we've talked about this. It's Kara. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, yeah, so it. First of all, it's it's good to meet um, you, Charlie and and Chucky, and it's good to see you again, uh, Raquel, mm -hmm. Carl, and Mark. And um, one word that comes to mind is just purpose. Uh, just mm -hmm. finding out your purpose and having it. We all have it, and unfortunately, there are people who really don't feel that they have one or that they're entitled to it. And it's something that everyone can have and, and should have the ability to find for themselves. And sometimes we just get lost in what is that and um, really kind of mulling over in our not enoughness and just understanding that, no, we all have a right to define our purpose and to find it and just have it be part of the journey. Um, like we all have that right. You might've noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. Uh, it's so important to have that mindset. All of us, all of us do. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, Chucky, you just said something that would actually be my word and everything, which is definitely, I am very much a supporter of family and all of that. So I would actually put family as that word because family is very important to me. I'm definitely 
uh, always checking in on my mom, checking in on my dad and my younger brother and a number of other family members. But as part of your family, you have a larger uh, family that you are part of as well. And I think that we all have our tribes. And in fact, I consider all of y'all part of my creative and uh, kind of entrepreneurship and activist tribe. So I think that family and tribe is another very important word. So those would be my two words is family and tribe, because I think that all of y'all are part of that tribe that is the tribe of like-minded folks that I am part of and all of that. But uh, I'd love to hear Charlie and his uh, word of the thought and word of inspiration. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it just for me, it's purpose. It's purpose or, you know, just wanting to matter. Um, you know, when I, when I look back on it all and, and what you just said is so right. I mean, that is absolutely another driving force of, of, of a lot of this for me is, um, that connectivity to the people around me, my tribe, the people who are all doing this together with, you know, it doesn't even have to be specifically the same thing, but just those of us that are really just trying to lift each other up and, and accomplish like big things, you know, that everybody gets to benefit from, you know, that's, um, that is so much of the fuel that, that keeps us pushing through the setbacks that do come along the way, you know, for whatever it is. Um, it's a big, big part of it for sure. Yeah. And I want to come back to Chucky. I had asked earlier, I mentioned it to definitely Charlie and I mentioned it to Dr. Raquel and everything, but were you the kid that was always into martial arts at a young age, or is it something that you developed as an interest much later in life? So I know you said you were doing it as a kid, but was it something that you automatically went into, or was there something that brought you into the whole concept of doing martial arts? And what do you consider one of your greatest successes as a martial artist? Okay, well, basically, I have a big family, so I had to stay a lot of times with my grandfather who lived in Chicago's Chinatown. And my grandfather used to always get up really early in the morning. And I'd always look at him, seeing him come and go to the store at like six in the morning. One of the mornings he was bringing me back and he introduced me to this friend of his. And he had all these little kids out there doing these moves. And I just liked it. <laughs> so the next thing you know, that became me. It's like six, seven years old. I was watching Cato on television. And, you know, I just was drawn to martial arts 100%. I'd run up and down the stairs in the building. I ran into different uh, gong fu practice practitioners, you know, Chinese guys, and they would teach me moves. Everybody liked me. My first nickname was Quick Kick. So it was just fun. I like martial arts a lot. And I ended up, uh, like I said, I did that one show. Then my one teacher, Julius Baker, put me on the tournament circuit. I won three first place trophies at my first tournament. So I knew that, that that just was what I did. That was just who I was. And I would go to the theater every weekend. So that was a place that I pretty much lived in. We had a theater right across the street from my house. I mean, I was watching Bruce Lee, The Chinese Connection, every Kung Fu movie possible. It was just a part of me. Uh, I think being the first to do martial arts with music on television by Prince, I think that was like one of my biggest accomplishments. Because after that, it became all around the world, everybody doing martial arts with music. Because at first, it wasn't martial arts with music. It was, and, and, and martial arts hadn't blended all together. Bruce Lee was making a mix of martial arts, but most of the other ones were mostly traditional. So I put martial arts, music, gymnastics, and acting together to my routines. And I became the number one martial arts performer in the United States. And uh, the rest is history. Check out my website, masterchuckycurry.com. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely do that. Definitely uh, encouraging others to check out the website as well and all of that. One of the things I'm always curious about is misconceptions that folks have of all of the different fields. So what, is, and I'll start with you, Chucky. What is one of the things that you think folks have as a misconception about martial arts? Because there's a misconception about every field that's out there. 
and everything. And of course, I'm going to give to Charlie as well with acting. But I was wondering to know, what do you think is one of the major misconceptions folks have about martial arts? Well, I think a lot of people think martial arts just is uh, fighting, you know, somebody beating somebody up or self-defense, you know, you just use it to defend yourself. But martial arts to me has a lot to do with discipline because you have to be persistent with your training. Everything takes persistence to succeed. I mean, that they don't realize that it's a whole lot more behind martial arts than just action. You know, you have to mentally focus, you know, in order to become successful in everything that you do. And if you don't put that focus in there, you get sporadic you're everywhere. And if you're everywhere trying to do everything, then you're not going to really get to the point that you're trying to get to. It's like you had to have an aim. You know, you had to like that's another good word. You had to have aim at what you want to do, write it down and follow through. Yeah. And what do you think is a misconception, Dr. Raquel, about being both a mom and a mom entrepreneur? Because a lot of times I think folks have misconceptions about those two roles. So I'd love to hear some of your misconceptions that you feel folks have about being a mom and an entrepreneur. Absolutely. I'll tell you, too. Number one, I can either be a good mom or an entrepreneur, not both. Number two. Building a business is all about the external things, which it is not, right? And by the external things, I'm talking about, oh, I'm just going to create this pretty website and then everybody's going to see that and they're just going to like reach out to me and be ready to be my (laughs) client. No, there is no easy button. And this goes to what you were saying, Chucky, right? That it all really starts in here and in here, right? That is the, really the main part. Who are you being? And in accordance to who you're being, how you're showing up, that is how the results are going to come because it's going to lead you to taking certain actions and being persistent and not getting so easily derailed, right? It's not about all the external stuff. That's all figureoutable, but it's really you got to start with, with yourself. Yeah. And what about you, Charlie? What do you think are some of the misconceptions about the entrepreneurship space that you're in, but also the acting space that you've been in since being a child and everything? And I know there's probably a number of them, but what are some of those misconceptions that you have to fight against on a regular? Well, she was exactly right. You can't just build a website and ex- expect everybody to just come come at you. Like you gotta you gotta hustle. <laughs> you know, that's that's I'm literally going in the middle of that at the moment, so I feel that. Um, you know, acting in general and show business in general, um, I just think I, I, I think that the biggest misconception is how hard it is. Um, you know, there's different elements and different, ven- you know, genres of performing arts for myself as a musical theater uh, performer. You know, I think people see the three hours that they go to the show that night and think that that's that's it. Three hours a night. And it's just it couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, the when you're a singer, the vocal maintenance, eight shows a week is is a lot. You know what I mean? First of all, you only get one day off a week, not two, like a lot of nine to five jobs do. Right. Um, You don't get your holidays. You know, you're working through the holidays because everybody wants to see shows at holidays. Um, You know, but, but even aside from that actual on stage time, I mean, the maintenance that it is, it, it is just, it's, it's no different than an athlete. It really is not. And especially if you're dancing, um, you know, a lot. And depending on the load of the show, 
singing. I mean, vocal maintenance. You know, I, I know depending on the kind of show it was, if it was a heavy singing role that I had to do, like I don't talk during the day, you know, that's not fun. You know, you got on tour, you go to all these cool cities, but you can't do anything because you have to like maintain so you can show up at night and like and sing for for the audience and sound good. Right. And uh, and you're always playing hurt, too. I mean, you're you're never 100 percent. You know, the longer, you, especially in the long running show, the, the, I think the biggest pet peeve an actor or somebody in, in show business gets is, uh, but what do you do for your real job, right? <laughs> um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of perception out there that the acting or doing theater or plays or whatever is not, not a real job unless you're like on Broadway, right? Which is great. But um there's a lot of times not spent that you're still working your butt off, you know, and you still got to pay your bills and you're still supporting yourself. So, I mean, it's, there's definitely a lot of that that happens for sure. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. And go ahead, Rakeel. I was just reminded uh, Charlie uh, of a book that I read was really wonderful. It's called real artists don't starve. And it's all about debunking the myth of the starving artists and like how the most successful artists are the ones who, um, you know, they, they're also great business people, right? And they learn how to do that, right? And uh, yeah, that those two do, do not necessarily go together. Like we sometimes. Yeah, well, I will say that I, I definitely spent some days like not being able to afford too much food. But that's but to your point though, it's it's my own fault for not being creative enough to know how to like fill the in between times with things that are just as you know that are in some ways easier that you could do both. You know, I think as an actor, a lot of times we think the only thing we can do is wait tables or something like that, right? Because mm-hmm. it's easy, it's flexible, it's quick money, and it's just not the case. And I think that this year specifically has shown us that. You know, a lot of my actor friends, a lot of my artist friends, I mean, are going are just coming up with so much creativity to figure out how to make it work. And and I always say that even when I'm directing shows or whatnot, you know, a lot of times we get frustrated. We can't get that this amount of lights or this amount of actors or whatnot. But like there is that element, though, that limitation oftentimes creates way more creativity and way more um, interesting uh, products or avenues or, or, or whatnot. You know, so, you know, there's silver linings in all of it for sure. But actually, y'all both bring up an interesting point. I'd love to hear both you and Chucky talk about this because I oftentimes do hear, and I brought it up on this show a couple of times, that concept that you can't, um, that you have to work that um, gig job, whether it's driving a friend of mine that's a funk musician, drives Mm -hmm. Uber, whether it's a number of other gig jobs that actually take away from your artistic abilities and take away from your artistic Mm -hmm. time. So as a director, so I'll start with you, Charlie, what do you do when folks are telling you that they feel that they almost have to go say work for a, um, an Uber or DoorDash or something that will actually sometimes take them away from their true craft. So as a director, when they're having that conversation with them and everything, what is your advice? And then I'd like to hear Chucky's thoughts about this as well, because I do feel that a lot of times folks get caught up in, having to feel like they have to get that uh, pay the bill job. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately in the arts, it is, it is very much a part of that experience, you know, and everybody, you know, if you're going through like, you know, your childhood and college, like I did and everybody preps you for that, but it's just the thing that you do not know what that means until you're doing it. Right. And especially when you're living in cities like New York city, I mean, it's expensive, you know, it's uh there's a lot of people out there doing the same darn thing. And uh, so it is It is very much uh, a part of the experience, especially in the early days. And um, it takes a certain 
personality, I think, that will be able to handle something like that. I would say, because I did spend a lot of time doing those things, you know, in my 20s that I didn't think I had other options. I do think that it is important to find that side gig that is something that you either, you know, like or have interest in or or that maybe if there's not an emotional fulfillment, you're good at it. You know what I mean? And so it doesn't really it doesn't you know, suck your soul. You know, I spent a lot of time in like, you know, bars and clubs, like working as a waiter and like until like three in the morning, you know what I mean? And it killed me, you know? And, um, I really think that it got in the way, you know, it's hard enough to, especially when you're trying to be an actor in New York, it's hard enough just to get the job. I mean, in in, in the first place that that alone is a lot to push through for an extended period of time, you know? That I, w- I would say if I could go and do it all again, I would be on the search for things that have a lot more creativity in, in them and uh, it would it would help sustain. And it would also be using the things that I'm good at, in a, but in a different way. Right. Um, that, that, that's kind of that, that's what I would try to redo if I could, for sure. Gotcha. What about yourself, Chucky? Have you found yourself doing a lot of these jobs that are not necessarily in the martial arts or in the entertainment field? And if so, how did you manage uh, to survive in those jobs? Well, it's kind of crazy because one of my martial arts teachers at one point, he told me, you're not going to be a karate bum. You're going to get a job. You're going to (laughs) work. So I ended up getting into security and working uh, bodyguard for different celebrities and stuff like that. And right now I'm working security and it just, I don't like it, but I do it. And I just find a way to be creative, you know, because I work at a store where it's like thousands of people a day coming through. And to me, the outfit that I'm wearing is like a, somebody said, uh, like, it's like a uniform, but at the same time, it's like, uh, it's, it's just a, it doesn't show who I am. So it's fun. I just be creative. I meet different people. I talk to them about different things. And when I see the crooks, I let them know that they're being watched. They ain't getting away with nothing. And I just I just kind of play that role because, yeah, I got to pay the rent. I got to pay these bills. And that's a fact. So I, at the same time, yeah, I got my website up, too. So I'm working in 3D. So I got the website here. I got the Facebook. I mean, I got all of these things happening. And I have my agent working in behind that. I just know that you really, you know, you got to use it or lose it. You know, whatever you got, you got to give it your best. And after that, things will come together. That makes a lot of sense. Kara, what do you think are some of the misconceptions? And some of them actually might even involve things to do with acting and sports and a number of other things. But what do you think are some of the misconceptions folks have about nutrition? Because that's kind of your field and everything. So what is the misconception that folks have about nutrition? And how do you even uh, encourage folks that are in that sports or that um theatrical space to even get into that nutrition because like uh charlie and i've had this conversation with you before i'll be quick to rush to a fast food restaurant and if i'm really poor i'll be quick to get some ramen noodles and everything of all those nature and we know that none of those are necessarily very nutritional so definitely <laughs> what are some of your encouragements and what are some of the misconceptions that folks have about oh, uh nutrition Yeah, I mean, I I definitely have toyed with the thought of just like randomly sending you like just um, like meal plan ideas, like (laughs) what out of these proteins, fats and carbs, what do you like? Let's make a meal out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Open your fridge, turn on your camera, like let's uh, let's see what's in your fridge. Let's make a meal. But like I'm always like that anyways. I'll just I. You know, first of all, I just love health in general and and nutrition. And and for me, it's more than just food. It's it's finding 
an applicable meaning to it. So for me as a health coach, I put the word intuitive in front of it because you really do have to, at some point, like you have your basics, you have your foundations of nutrition and, and health, but you have to also be able to trust yourself to come up with the right health plan for you. And, and that's going to change as your life changes, you know, but one misconception that, well, there are a couple. So when I definitely started telling people of my family specifically, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this health coach thing for real. One was like, what even is a health coach? Um, people think I'm a yoga instructor, like that, that's all I do or that um, I'm a nutritionist or a, a, a doctor, which I don't have those credentials. I don't have, you know, that. I would love to, my, my plan is to become a certified nutritionist eventually, because that is just my path. I love nutrition, but um, it is kind of cute. Like, oh, you know, it, it is cute what people come up with in their mind, what a health coach is. Um, another misconception is that people think that having a health coach is unattainable, you know, like, oh, that's not for me. Um, and I think that if you are a coach or entrepreneur in, in some sort and you have a service, you provide a service, people think, oh, that's not for me. You know, well, what is for you? What are your priorities? A lot of people are afraid to really go for, you know, what drives my purpose? And what actions can I take to, to go there, right? We default to Netflix and um, wine and chocolate, which is amazing, of course. I mean, I love all that too. But like, really, what are your priorities? And, and they become emotional, um, like suckers and in time and, and financial. And, you know, just kind of being that person to be like, no, you know, health that, that supports you, that's attainable. You know, it's, it's up to you to decide that you want to go there, that you want to define what healthy means to you. And um, so I love having that conversation with people too, and really getting behind that because also another misconception about nutrition is that people think it's all about detoxes and cleanses and spiritual journeys and that's not it <laughs> so um it's kind of drawing that out of people and and having that conversation i've been talking to people uh recently just getting um bits of input from just random people what is nutrition what does that mean to you and I'm putting that together um, for a project I'm working on, but it already it's highlighting that everyone thinks of nutrition a little differently. So uh, I like that. It's it's kind of well. I'm going to put everybody on the spot here because you just gave me an idea. So Charlie, what is nutrition to you? And do you think <laughs> you have a nutritional uh, diet? And your wife and the rest of the family. So what is nutrition to you? And do you think actors in general? Are nutritious or have a nutritious diet. So what is nutrition to you? I mean, you would not be very happy with my nutritional routine at the moment. I'm not going to lie. I don't judge. I would <laughs> say, does it make you happy or does it put you in default? 
Well, <laughs> uh, I just try really not to think about it all that much until I'm like taking a shower and I see what's happening. But um, okay. yeah, no, you know, my biggest thing is I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for just something easy, right? I don't love to cook. It's not my thing. It takes too long. I never, the reward is never worth the amount of time that, you know, went into making the actual meal. And uh, I'm, I'm a victim of that for sure. But again, you know, all of that to me, I think sounds like a mental association, right? Ultimately, and like reframing how you approach all of that mentally. And I have to like recalibrate those kinds of things for myself. But, you know, we get in those ruts, right? And depending on the week, like if it's busy and like, you know, and it, it's hard, it's sometimes just hard to keep um, a good routine of it going, figure out how to set yourself up for the success of that. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's always been my, my biggest challenge. Yeah, it's like you psych yourself up to like jump hurdles like jump over hurdles and you psych yourself up so much that you just don't do it you just spend way too much time thinking about it that all totally. you need to do is just like jump and, and it's also for me it's also like i'll always start out with like a good like surge of enthusiasm for like a handful of days and feel really good about it and then after a while i'm like oh man it's so much work you know what i mean then i like fall off the train and i'm like well might as well wait till next month you know? Yeah, and then you're like, it's oh, book. might as well eat this whole package of Oreos because I'm already in this place. Are you <laughs> in my own Charlie? Was that? Raquel? Yeah, I know, right? I know. Raquel, what about you? What does nutrition mean to you? And what does the thought of nutrition mean to you? And do you think that you do a good job of nutrition, Dr. Raquel? Oh my gosh. Well, I certainly do not do as good a job as I could. That's for sure. I think there's always room for improvement, you know, and I, when I think of nutrition, I really do think of, you know, feeding our body what our body needs in order to function uh, most efficiently and, and also loving our bodies, you know, by feeding it the, the right foods. And again, you know, I try and there's many times when I kind of, you know, fall of the wagon, like Charlie was saying, and you kind of reach for whatever's easiest. Uh, um, I find that when I plan, I do a lot better. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on, on it. And, 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 and again, I'm going to say that's where coaching comes in, right? Because it's the same thing for the work that I do, right? A lot of the ladies say, well, yeah, I, I need to take better care of myself and take more me time and sleep more and work out regularly and they don't do it. Mm-hmm. So it's not knowing what to do. Sometimes it requires having that support, that accountability to, to set up a, cer- a set of circumstances that allow us to be successful in creating the habit changes that we want to create. And, and, sometimes, I think, and sometimes I think there's cultural differences as well. Because as, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't know that many of the Latin American countries and everything, but I know a lot of times Panamanian dishes can be quite spicy and they can also be quite good, but that also isn't all the time the most nutritious. And the same thing can be said for African-American foods and things of that nature. That's the more traditional Southern African-American foods and all of that. So sometimes even our cultural uh, awareness also gets in the way also, because like I said, I have had the pleasure of having it in some Latin American dishes. I can't remember if any of them were Panamanian or not, but I know that they can be quite spicy. Now, it, so, so just for a point of reference here, I just want to make mention, Panamanian cuisine by default is not as spicy as other cuisines. Like, you know, when you think of Mexican food, them folks are into spice as a general rule, like in a much bigger way than Panamanians. 
good. But, but yes, you're good. right. I mean, but there's definitely a lot of fried stuff and yeah, a lot of uh, um, what do you call it, carbs and yeah, it's not, it's not carbs great. Are good. Thank good you stuff. your body. No, that's true. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so carbs can be good. What about you, uh, Chucky? You're in the martial arts. I'm thinking that you have to have a nutritious diet all the time in order to stay physically fit and in that security space. So do you do a good job in that space or how do you do with nutrition and what does nutrition mean to you? Yes, yes, yes. I, I think I do pretty well in it. I stay focused a lot. Uh, when I was on the set with Brad Pitt, he was sitting there eating veggies. You know, that was his snacks. And I was like, okay. And my teacher, he took me to the vegetable department. He said, this is all of the good stuff right here. Everything else over there is garbage. So this is what you need to focus on. So I work at a grocery store, so I'm constantly surrounded with all kinds of foods. But I try to make sure in the morning, first of all, before I leave my house, I take my vitamins <laughs> and then I, I watch my diet. You know, I don't just go crazy. Every now and then I will have, I like baked chicken. You know, I like fried chicken, but I, I focus on the baked chicken because I know it's better. So I just try to focus on what I think is best for me, no matter what. I mean, I got some noodles sitting in there on the cabinet, but I hardly ever eat them. I mean, they're just there. I guess it's like a sign of don't do this. <laughs> but I think I, I think I do a pretty good job of eating and I exercise all the time. I mean, my job as an officer, I mean, I'm, they don't got to tell me to move. You know, I just get up and go and walk around and. You know, I see all, like I said, I see all types of foods and stuff to eat. And so I guess I'm, I'm satisfied mentally without even having to go out and eat that particular thing. You know what I'm saying? I drink plenty of water. I make sure my system is constantly flushing. And I'm, I feel pretty, pretty well. I mean, and like she said, wine and chocolate, you know, I got my wine and I had my chocolate. No, <laughs> but at the same time, I try to stay focused on a lot of more, more than half of a vegetarian diet. Yeah. Sounds good. What about you, Carl? Do uh, you think you're doing good in the nutrition category? And what's misconceptions that folks have about lawyers since you're working to be in a lawyer and also even in the ministry? Because you've got friends that have been in that ministry space. So what are some of the misconceptions folks have about those two fields? I'd say in the ministry. I've been in the ministry about 15 years now with uh, with my church. Uh, the misconception is that uh, preachers take all the money. Uh I can tell you that's a big, big, and they don't all drive Cadillacs and big cars. Uh, that's one. That's one of the misconceptions that that is is pretty much of that. And um, the misconception of people in law and law has to be what I'm learning and what I have learned that it it's not particular. And when I say that, people think of lawyers. They just think of lawyers as just being these crooked people. And when I say crooked, I don't mean so much demonstratively as that. You know, they may be crooked, but the essence and the perception of them is that they're always out to get something. And uh, from the, the law and the, and the professors and advisors and lawyers that I worked for and interned for, it was all about helping. So that actually curbed my misconception because you see so much on the TV with the uh, they call them ambulance chasers. Uh, actually, that's a very lucrative field, but it's lucrative for a reason, because they they kind of like hunt down that you know, that accident victim or that, you know, train accident or that big plane crash. Or, you know, you have those attorneys that do that. But for the most uh, for the most part, those that I've ran into are actually about helping uh, being there for someone that really needs it. They can't understand it. And that's my that's what I'm going into that goal. My simplicity is to give an understanding to those who don't know how the law work to let them know that there's someone in the law that will interpret the law to help them. And I think that's been a big misconception of law. A lot of people that if you don't know the law, you're afraid of the law. Well, 
actually it's a reverse. If you get yourself involved in the law and get some understanding into the law, it will work in your benefits. And that's why lawyers get to play on people the way that they do. And those misconceptions create themselves. As far as nutrition, man, uh, uh, I am one that even though I come from a mixed family, I have a uh, white white mom, a uh, Indian grandma. I got a lot of mix. So I don't like gravitate to any particular food. Uh, soul food, I did not like. And, uh, and, and and I guess that's the white side that came out or what have you. But I, I just was not a soul food uh, kind of guy. So because uh, I always saw the gluttony in that family barbecues and picnics and I always saw the gluttony. Everybody eat until they can't get out the chairs and that kind of thing. I always saw the food as this thing where you just eat to live. You know what I mean? You don't live to eat. And I grew up with different kind of races that it just was a thing to eat. Like, I'm going to eat more than Uncle Charlie because he got four ribs on this plate. I'm going to put five. You know, <laughs> so my conception, uh, you know, my thing of, of nutrition is um, if I'm hungry, I eat. And those things that I eat, they're filling. I don't never want to get up from the table tight. So if I had a nice breakfast, if I know I eat pancakes or something, I eat two instead of three. Eggs, I eat to two instead of three. Bacon, I eat. You know, I eat those proportions that when I get up, there's some room for something else. I'm like Chucky here. I grew up in Chicago, man. Um, karate was, was my thing. My mom did. She put me and my brothers in that. So we would stay out of the gangs and the drugs and all the other things that went on in the city. So I took Taekwondo from about six years old to about 13. And to this day, you might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. Hey, I am so angry and upset that I did not follow through with that as an adult. I think as soon as I got my way away from where trouble would be, I left there. But it gave me the most disciplined part of my life. And that is a lot of misconception of karate because I also watched all the Bruce Lee flicks and all of those things. And the misconception was that you just had that little 90 minutes of just kicking people around and it was nice and funny. But I also like the relationships and the building and the inner peace and spiritualness that I got out of doing that. And that was something that I really hated that I left. But that's my little soapbox. No, I appreciate it. And definitely I can relate to what you were saying. I can definitely even think about um, growing up in a little town called Warrington, North Carolina. We had a little small movie theater and it was only known for showing two types of movies. It showed the old spaghetti westerns and it showed the old Bruce Lee movies because, like I said, they didn't get a lot of the first runs at that particular movie theater. So I remember seeing a lot of those Bruce Lee movies and all of that. And I'm not going to lie, I was a fan partially because of the philosophy, because I think that the yeah, philosophy yeah. is oftentimes wonderful. I was a big fan of the old Kung Fu TV show with David Carradine and all of that. Oh, I oftentimes yeah. like the philosophy that was preached in those shows and everything as he was going around the world and definitely giving you a lot of different positive messages. So definitely that was something that 
uh, resonated with me. Never really got to train unlike uh, Charlie and uh, Carl and Chucky in the uh, field. So never actually got to take any classes. So that is a regret on my part, but I did love hearing about those thoughts and everything. I know that, uh, I think Chuck, um, Charlie said he might have to leave early, but one of the things I was getting ready to mention is I would like to have all of our guests talk about what they're involved in and what they need. So Charlie, you started a theater guild. What does the theater guild need and what are the things that you're looking for to make this theater guild successful? Like I said, you started it um, first uh, right before the uh, pandemic, I think you said it was in terms of it's actually getting off the ground and everything, but it's now moving forward. So what are some of the things that you need in order to have this happen? And what are some of the things you need in order to have these award ceremonies that you're talking about doing as well? Right. Well, the, uh, well, the, 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 the bigger program here is a membership based program. So right now my main focus is just, um, you know, awareness and, uh, people signing up to join because, um, it's all about that community buy-in, you know, and that community investment in it. And members will get uh, opportunities to post all the things that they're involved in, all the different theatrical skills they have. So it's not just for actors. It's really meant for the entire industry, designers, um, administrative positions. There's a jobs board on it. Um, it's really just meant to really, like, centralize every, you know, all the theater tools necessary to help everybody, you know, make it a little more streamlined and connect and thrive. So really awareness, awareness is the big thing. The awards program will not start um, judging until the fall, you know, it needs to wait for live theater to kind of get back on its feet a little bit in a more consistent way. Um, But yeah, I mean, just spread the word, tell your people there's a cool, if they're into theater, there's a cool, uh, there's a cool initiative going around called Tobacco Leaf Theater Guild and, and sign up and check us out. And where would they find you on the social media and all of that? I know that speaking yeah, of the job the board. Is TobaccoLeafTheaterGuild.com. Nice and easy. And same tobacco for on Instagram. What's that? You said Tobacco Leaf? Tobacco Leaf Theater Guild. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's about what it is. We're on Instagram. I'm, I'm going to in due time, but uh, pretty much a one man one man band at the moment. So you know we're stepping it out. Cool, but well, definitely we'll I know that a lot of folks will be glad to uh, join, and hopefully we'll get lots of folks joining from the international broadcast media and around the world. I know that it's centered here in North Carolina, but are you thinking that all of expanding at any point to like creating a bigger, more national or international theater guild? Or do you think that you just want to concentrate right now on the area that you're in, which is our triangle area? Or do you think that you were hoping to go on a more global kind of front at some point or another? Yeah, you know, it's really it's really mainly just for the local scene and for people to take, you know, in, in the case of the awards, you know, they take awards that they get here and they branch out. You know, a lot of times actors come in from New York and stuff to do shows down here. And that's kind of what helps that national visibility, right? Is that people spread out and keep talking about it. Um, but it is really focused on the triangle uh, community. And, um, you know, there's a lot of models out there already. You know, there's a lot of models out there across the country that are very similar. I mean, I did a lot of research and looked at a lot of the different models and really um, created, you know, the version that I thought represented what we need here. Um, I do have a lot of goals for the future as far as expansion. And yes, I do think geographic uh, boundaries are one of them. 
Um, I would like to expand it to more of North Carolina and even South Carolina if it, if it um, came up. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of these little things around that kind of take care of that, that satellite kind of part of it, you know? Um, so right now it's just, it's just for us at the moment. That sounds good to try and go needs it. And definitely, like you said, there is a lot of great theater here and it definitely needs to get that kind of awareness. And even in the job market, I just saw recently that the uh, director of Full Frame has stepped down from her job. So that's one job that is now okay. available for the job market. So definitely well, you know, I mean, just stepped out. Yeah, a lot of, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, I mean, a lot of people lost their jobs. So we're hoping to see jobs coming up now and and this is a good place this is one of the the missions for that and and a place to put those kinds of uh posts on um because we want people in it you know we need to get this get this stuff going again um mark as you said i do have to jump out i gotta be somewhere in 20 minutes i I knew you had to jump out earlier i appreciate you being on the last thing that i always ask all my guests and i'll get to all of them but i'll start with you since you're jumping off is I always love to hear from my guests their positive thought that they would like to share with our global community. So if you've got any positive thoughts or words of encouragement that you would like to give to our global community. Um, I think, well, something that I've been really focused on through this whole thing is gratefulness. There's been so much um, challenge to that. And uh, a lot of people have a lot of different situations. Um, I've been lucky enough to where uh, my you know, surroundings and my circumstances while, um, you know, limited in social, uh, you know, occasions, um, I have, I have been able to manage it, um, a lot in in a lot better way than a lot of other people have out there. And I'm very grateful. And like I said, you know, there is a mentality that, um, with limitations comes more creativity and, and a more authenticness about things that I think that, um, that is something that we could, continue to try to work on through through moments like this to to try to balance out the challenges um and find out figure out what what lessons we're supposed to be taught through this right and how we're supposed to come out of this changed and better um and so yeah that's kind of like where where my uh where my heart is right now well i appreciate it it's a great place for your heart to be and everything and i appreciate you being on as i tell everybody and kara can testify to this that definitely once you come on you're always welcome back as could carl as well so definitely anytime you've got things going on that you want to share with both our local community as well as our national and international community you always have a home on the the various podcasts that i do so anything that you've got that you want to share you're always welcome to come back much appreciated it's been a pleasure nice to meet everybody all right So, uh, Dr. Raquel and everything, tell folks about mom entrepreneurs and a little bit about what you're looking for in the sense of even recruiting new mom entrepreneurs. And are you pretty much sticking to the West Coast or are you looking for mom entrepreneurs all over the globe? Beautiful. Yes. In fact, uh, well, yeah, one of the, the gifts of this pandemic is that we have become, I know I have become so much more aware of the uh, global community and I've connected with women from all over uh, the country. And so I am looking to expand the community that I've built. It's called Redefining Supermom and it's on Facebook. So that would be a really great way for anyone to connect with me who is curious about the work that I do, who is a, a mom entrepreneur and or professional working mom who is trying to balance it all and make it all work. Um, so that would be an easy one 
to to check out uh, it because I again I you know you said to share something positive and I'm going to say to surround yourself with support find other people who are also um, going for their dreams somebody who can encourage who can believe with you who can help you with resources encouragement you know and uh, don't deviate from the path seek support nobody can do it alone. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. I definitely agree with you on that. I do wonder, Dr. Raquel, are you going to have any um, offshoot groups for those that are uh, not moms but are entrepreneurs? Because we do know that Kara is not a mom, even though she's got a pet mom. But so I don't know whether pet moms count as well. So definitely, so are we going to have like an offshoot group for folks that don't fall in the mom category? Right. Not right now. Not as of yet. Perhaps down the line once I am more uh, established and I grow team and, and all of that. But right now I'm focusing on uh, uh, human moms uh, who also run businesses. I can put my puppy in like one of those little baby carriers. <laughs> we have a bunny, a bunny uh, uh, stroller. Yeah, uh, yeah, we have a bunny. So, like, well, we've had bunnies, several bunnies that we've already uh, uh, gone through. You've passed away, but we have that carrier. Oh, so you have a pet bunny, Doctor Raquel? We we do. We have a dog and a bunny. At one point, we had three bunnies, and uh, one of them was a foster. So we found her a home, and uh, unfortunately, our two bunnies passed away. Uh, in fact, the first one was last February, so it'll be just about a year, and the other one passed in July, and then we adopted a new bunny in September, so we do have one. His name is Truffle. Truffle, what a great name. And what's the dog's name? Woody. Like Woody, and, Woody and Truffle. So Woody and Truffle can go with Rita and Henry, which are Kara's <laughs> dogs and animals and everything. So they can go along with all of that. So it sounds like they could have a wonderful time and everything. I was just curious, because um, I know that sometimes dogs and cats get along, sometimes they don't. But how did the bunny get along with the dog? You know, Woody is really great at not messing with the bunny. He actually, he's actually more or less oblivious which in this case is a good thing because bunny can be really in danger if the dog decides to take an interest, you know, but uh, yeah, he's pretty much like, yeah, it's okay. You know, it's a bunny. Eh. It's a bunny. Doesn't really <laughs> care. Chucky, well, let folks know how, what kind of things you need in terms of getting your project off the ground. You did mention that you've met a number of uh Super talented folks like Prince and Michael Jackson, who have unfortunately passed on, but Brad Pitt is still with us and a number of other folks are definitely always making those contacts. You did the short version, but I know you want to make the fuller version of what you're doing. So tell folks what you need in order to have your success with your project and a little bit about that project. Okay, well, um, basically, I uh, I ran into speedy who is uh the dj for jamie fox so basically i made a little tie with jamie fox who's also best friends with uh eddie murphy and uh wesley snipes so i think that's really cool but my goal before that little segment came along i'm still determined to get to tyler perry you know with tyler perry studios and oprah winfrey with own uh because i know we got like the little netflix things coming and uh 
the guy we had the run the run on comedy show last week and they called me back they want me to do seven minutes uh a week on their show and it's just so funny because everybody talking about oh that 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 little that wasn't a short movie that was a quick flick i'll go you know what it's a quick flick that i did you know what did you do you know so then everybody got quiet <laughs> you know what I'm you gotta if, if you want the best, you gotta aim at the best, you know. And so I know that Tyler Perry Studios, Tyler's done a lot of stuff and you know, and comedy is really good. And my friend director Bill Duke gave me a lot of advice, you know, but he said uh aspire to inspire before you expire. <laughs> and another thing is I have a grandbaby now, you know, which so I was thinking of uh, daddy daycare when she was talking about the moms Hi. and the, you know, I still got my mom. So my mom is always she was on the phone trying to call me right now. We we talk almost every day. And I have sisters. And, and a, you know, a lot of it's a lot of babies in <laughs> uh, And my little brother Reggie, he, he's really been really helpful too. So I'm just putting together a little production, and uh, I have my cameraman out here. But I really want to, you know, I know a lot of people put a wall around celebrities like Oprah and uh, Tyler Perry. But I figure like this: where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, yeah, another thing that you had said earlier uh, was really impacted is faith. Because faith without action is dead. So you have yeah. to have faith in what you're doing and you have to take action to go for it, to get it. No, no yeah. doubt about that. You definitely got to have that faith in everything along those lines. And actually, I've uh, known that the National Black Theater Festival is in Winston-Salem every year. And Bill Duke has actually, I think, come to that festival. And he's also been down to uh, the American Black Film Festival in Miami. And I know that a lot of times he'll even do these workshops with the actors. So he's definitely very much involved in the acting community, even with developing young actors and folks that are um, at the beginning of their careers, as well as those veteran folks. So I've definitely seen him still being very much involved, just like I've seen Morgan Freeman still be very much involved as well. So it looks like you're definitely connecting with some great minds and some great uh, power brokers in our community and all of that. I'd like to say, too, because I met Danny Glover and I had a conversation one on one with Danny Glover, as well as Andy Garcia. I just think that this, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, that's the whole thing. You got to really want it to get it. And, and like I said, you can't slack and expect somebody to carry your bags for you. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You know, I mean, I know because like my son is a, a rapper and a lot of times I tell him, hey, man, you got to have a backup to get up. I mean, that's what you got to do. And you got to make yourself do it because it's, it's, it's too much energy for somebody else to come to the side and try to push you. So when I'm talking about getting to Oprah and Tyler, I know they already said they got a whole lot of stuff they're doing. But I know that I'm bringing talent to the table. So it's not like they just going out of their way. If they help me, I'm helping them at the same time. You got to know your values of who you are and what you carry to the table. No, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the other things you mentioned, and I think Dr. Raquel mentioned it as well, is I'd love to hear as we wrap up everything, your thoughts about the importance of faith. Because I do think that faith and uh, having that connection, and even uh, Kara was earlier talking about the importance of having that um, connection between all of the elements of us. And by that, I mean the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, and the physical, and all of that. So I'd love to hear all of your thoughts on the importance of having that um, unified uh, connection to all of the elements of us, as well as the importance of faith. And I'll start with you, Dr. Akil. Thank you for calling on me. I was just, uh, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I have to get going. Um, yeah, you know, for me in the last, uh, I mean, I've always been a spiritual person and I was, uh, uh, you know, brought up Catholic. And it has been actually really interestingly enough, 
since my entrepreneurial journey began that I really started to study about universal laws and I started to really connect more with uh, um, my spiritual side, right? And, and, and something bigger than me, right? So I know that my dream and my desire is God given and it, it has been, I've seen it. I've seen the evidence of it in my life. And that's one of the things that I um, lean on and that I love to pass on to um, my mom entrepreneurs that, you know, we're, we're here for something so much bigger than, it's, than us. And the mission that we have is not about us. It's about serving that purpose and that that dream was put in our heart for a reason. And it's going to require for us to, to grow and bring more of the amazingness that we are built for that we uh, sometimes don't even know how awesome we are and how much we have to bring. So it's, um, yeah, so I, I love that you brought that up. And it's so, so it's been really important for me in my life and uh, in the work that I do as well. Yep. And like I said, I know you said you got to bounce and actually we all will be off in about another 12 minutes or so and everything. But if you got to bounce before that, I understand. But as I know that you're gearing to bounce off and everything, I'll do the same thing I did with Charlie. And before I get to Chucky, which is any words of encouragement that you would like to share with our global community, because we are here on the international broadcast meeting. Of course, we go all over the world to places like uh, South Africa, Nigeria, New Zealand, um, England, and a number of other places. So definitely any words of encouragement that you would like to share with the global audience that will go back and watch this in uh, Team Replay, as my friend Brian likes to call it sometimes. I would love to say to open up the door to dreaming. Allow yourself to dream big and understand that the dream is not it's not yours really it's your purpose calling on you like knocking at the door of your heart so you got to open up and be willing to listen to it yeah definitely great thoughts and i definitely agree with you on that amazing message that you're giving them and everything chucky what are some of the things that you would like to share with our global community and all of that and i do appreciate you being on like i said earlier dr raquel uh, you know you are always welcome to come back carol will tell you that i will bug you all the time and we'll definitely have you Pop back in whenever you feel like sharing your mission, sharing whatever else you've got going on in your world. But you are always welcome to come back anytime that you feel like it. Thank you so much. And so great to meet you, Kara and Chucky. Or see you again, Kara. Good to see you again. Uh, I'll say, Dr. Lady, don't leave yet. <laughs> but what I'm saying, uh, I, I like um, Walt Disney, how he said, if you could dream it, you can achieve it. Uh, you know? So I believe in, in dreaming it, and, and but I also, I just can't say it enough, is take action, you know? I yes. mean, uh, if, if you don't go for it, you won't get it. You know, you got to sometimes get up and go to the park, even if you don't want to, you have to make yourself do it. Like, mm -hmm. I might not have this job, but I know that that's a part of the story. I have to communicate. I have to be there. I have to be responsible. I have to have the discipline. I have to... What I was going to say earlier is put on that costume and play that role. I mean, that's just a part of it, you know, just like, okay, for instance, let's take it like a shower. You might want to take a shower, but you got to have a soap. You got to have a rag. You got to have a tub. You got to have a house <laughs> or an apartment. So you got to put it all together and give it your best shot, but you got to go for it to get it. It's not going to just arrive Amen. on the floor. You know, like yeah. 
Yeah. Chuck, I so appreciate you adding that because you're right. You know, it, it isn't just about like dreaming it up and getting all excited, and it's not all about the fluffy, you know, stuff, right? It's is like you said, it's also taking the actions, you know. And I, I like to use the, the analogy of the GPS system, right? Like if you want to take a journey from here to I'm in Portland, Oregon, right? And if I wanted to go to Miami driving. I plug in the directions in the GPS, but the GPS is only going to give me a little piece at a time. And at each time as I progress, it's going to show me a little bit more and a little bit more. But I ain't never going to get there unless I start driving. So <laughs> you got to start driving and start taking the action and then the rest will be revealed as you go. Yeah, you definitely got to do that. And y'all are both so right. And I know that too often we spend too much time doing uh what I call um, self-sabotage. And we've been talking about that on a number of shows uh, here on this platform where we sit there and like you have mentioned, Chucky, a number of the folks that you have had the pleasure of meeting and talking to and all of that. And I can tell you that there are a number of times that folks have told me that they've had opportunities like that, but they did not even go and talk to the people because they were afraid that those people were going to reject them. Whereas you sat there and were like, you had a product, you had something that you wanted to share with them and you didn't let that defeat you. You just went ahead and talked to folks, whether it was Prince, <laughs> whether it was Michael Jackson, whether it was Brad Pitt or whether it was a number of other folks that you have mentioned and everything. But I do know that too often, even when I go to festivals and stuff, folks will see folks like that, like an Angela Bassett or a, uh, Lou Gossett back when he was around and all of that stuff. And definitely they'll see these folks and they won't talk to them because they're afraid that they will reject them even before they've had the chance to even go there and have the conversation with them. You know, real quick, one time I was on the elevator with uh, Bernie Mac and, uh, you know, he had this iron lung because he was kind of sick. And uh, I just I had my magazine in my hand and I was like, hey, Bernie, check this out. And he looked at me like, you know, he was probably surprised I was speaking. I was like, this is, he, he looked at the pictures. He goes, I ain't scared of you. And I was like, it ain't about being scared. It's about being aware. And he was like, oh. He goes, well, I'm from Chicago. I was like, I'm from Chicago, too. He goes, hey, what's up, man? So, like, if you don't take a chance, you won't have a chance. Like, princess, yes. to those who take chances, you know? So, I don't care. I mean, you know, I, I've had different celebrities have little attitudes. But I, I, I figured they're like this, you know? I'm a celebrity, too. I mean, I, I am somebody. Woo! Say it out loud. I'm checking out <laughs> You gotta That's go for it. Get it. And yeah, Oprah, you know, she, Oprah got all of her talent, but she can't do a jump sidekick. So that put me in another angle that I can still go to her and still talk to her. Like Jamie Foxx, I found out he don't know martial arts, so I could teach him martial arts. You gotta be creative. You gotta be creative and and, and. Love yeah. it. Definitely yeah. have to be creative and everything. So, Kara, you've heard these wonderful folks as we get ready to wrap up. We've got about five minutes to go and everything. But what are some of your thoughts as what you've heard from our folks, including uh, Chucky? I saw that Dr. Raquel had to leave and everything. But, Kara, what are some of your thoughts about these amazing conversations we've been having and all of that? So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. Yeah, just going off of what you said, Chucky, um, you know, you – you only fail if you don't do it. So um, falling on your face, it's just part of the process, you know, and whether it's experiencing life and, and going, like just talking to people and going for it, like going for experiences and going after your purpose and getting things accomplished and, and going for your dreams, like you do have to have that action. And it's not always going to look pretty, but if you do it enough, 
then it will look pretty, you know? Oprah wasn't always Oprah. She, right. not the Oprah that we know it, she had to build herself up to that. She made it up in her mind that she was going to be Oprah one day and she made it happen. And, you know, we don't have to be given permission to be this big version of ourselves. We just need to do it. And just taking that action and not being afraid to fall on your face a few times until you get to where you need to go. Just, you just kind of do it. Couldn't not agree with you more and all of that. Um, Chucky, you gave that great story. So I'm gonna let you have the closing words and everything, but you gave that great story about your encounter with Michael Jackson. So any other celebrity encounter that you would like to share with our global audience, I'm sure that they would love to hear that story because I thought it was great the way you told that story about seeing the glove and all of that. So any other celebrity encounter that you'd like to share with us to wrap everything up? You know, uh, first of all, of course, working with Jackie Chan was really cool. Uh, I happened to find out that he was going to be into town way, way, way back. And so I caught the bus down to the place where he's going to be at. And once he pulled up in the car, I noticed my friend was driving him. <laughs> my friend Curtis was driving him. And I was like, wow, Curtis. And Curtis is like, Chucky. And then I was like, Jackie. And Jackie's like, Chucky. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, you know, but that's the same thing. I took a chance. I took action. I didn't just sit there and listen to the radio. Once I found out it was happening, I made a way to get there. <laughs> and uh, another real quick one is, is Holly Berry. Like I found out my brother was doing shows and I found that Holly Berry is going to be at one of them. Her and uh, her Eric Benet. She was going to Eric Benet. So I went to the concert and I went all the way to the front. I got in the building before Holly did. <laughs> That's just me. You know, I take action. So right. the next thing you know, they said nobody could be in here. All Everybody got to leave. So I left. Next thing I seen Holly walking with Eric. And so she looked and she waved. I was like, damn, Holly Berry, right? So the next thing you know, she was on stage and the, the girls in the crowd was booing her, I guess, because, you know, she was going with Eric. They were like, boo, boo. Yeah, that's they, they Eric, Eric, Eric. So I looked at Holly and I knew that she was hurt. You know, I could just see it. I could feel it. So she was like walking along and I was like, Holly, Holly, Holly. <laughs> and she looked over and she goes, oh, baby, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was just so happy. So I, I really like Holly Berry and I did like the John Wick movie. And, you know, I know different strokes for different folks but like sometimes you have people that's scared that you go make it too big you know and they'll be like oh wait i can't do it why could he do it but i'm like you know what that's the come i'm glad i'm a filmmaker too you know i have my cameraman i have my setups i set the design for what we're going to film at but you gotta you gotta be creative and you just gotta be spontaneous and you just really believe and, and, and you gotta remember if you don't go for it you ain't gonna get it you gotta take a chance like prince said success comes to those who take chances very true. Appreciate y'all. Y'all were great. I definitely thought we had an amazing conversation about a number of things. Carol will tell you that I was earlier chatting and talking earlier and was nervous about whether we would even have guests or whether the show would be a success. And she was like, oh, Mark, you got it. It's going to be a great show. And once again, it was another great show and all of that. So appreciate all of y'all for being great guests. Appreciate uh, my partner in crime for popping in on the show as well. So definitely glad to have all of y'all support. And like I told everybody else, Chucky, you are always welcome to come back. One of these times we're going to have to come, have you come back and actually give us a martial arts demonstration. So we're going to have to have you sit up and do a demonstration at some point as well. Yes. Hey, you can go to my website, and my movie is on my website, masterchuckycurry.com. And Kara, it's really been nice talking to you and seeing so you, nice and you. you inspired me to even focus more on my nutrition, and that's great. 
And Mark Lee, thank you very much for inviting me. And I wish you guys all the best of success. Bye. Thank you. Appreciate Bye. you. So I'm going to bring up the theme uh, little video and everything, and that will wrap it up. And then I'm going to move on over to Mullins Music and Memories, where I think I've got some other guests. So we're going to see if that one turns out as good as this first one did. But we're just going to roll with it and see how it plays. <laughs> Might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. Life gets a lot more magical when you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Where new stories meet tales as old as time. Enchanté, mon ami! And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line.